Good morning, all. We're turning to hymn number 134 to commence our service. 134. Hark the voice of love and mercy sounds aloud from Calvary. 134. We're going to stand as we worship the Lord. to unite in prayer, and we'll ask the Lord to come and visit with us and minister to our hearts as we remember Him in His atoning death, in His sacrifice, in His taking our place. Let us just still our hearts and wait upon Him this moment. Our Father in heaven, we come to Thee today in the precious name of our wonderful Savior. We call Him the Man of Calvary, and we know that He is the Son of Your delight. We thank Thee for His coming into the world, taking our nature. We thank Thee that He took a human body that he might suffer in our place. As we heed the command to remember our Lord Jesus in his death, O Lord, shut the world out. Help us to cease from self and to truly look expectantly 
unto the Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We pray that Thou will deepen that work of repentance in our heart, whereby we truly mourn over our sins. We lament over the wickedness of our own depraved nature, and we come pleading mercy, cleansing, and asking for divine help that we might walk in the light as Thou art in the light. We pray today for faith that enables us to apply to our own hearts all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, to receive to our own account all His justifying, saving grace, the cleansing of His blood, the canceling of the debt, that Thou wilt by faith work in our hearts that blessed assurance that it is well with our soul. O Lord, we pray that Thou wilt deal with every doubt, every fear, every second guessing, and that You will confirm to us this very hour through Your Word, by Your Spirit, and by these means of grace, that the Lord Jesus is mine, and I am His. Clinch, fix within us that blessed assurance that we are adopted into Your family, and that we are accepted in the Beloved. Help, Lord, today. Remove every distraction from our hearts and minds. We confess, Lord, that there's a thousand things dancing within our minds at one time. We pray that you will indeed, by your Spirit, glue us to the thing that you've called us to do right now, to remember Thee. Help us in the singing of these hymns to do so. Help us in every word, every reading of the Scripture. And as we seek to set forth our Savior dying for us on that tree, Lord, bring to us a fresh, look and a fresh application of the power of redemption within our souls. Pray for any here today struggling in their hearts, not sure where they stand with God. The devil is tempting. Sin has disturbed them. They feel at a distance and estranged. Oh, God, today may there be a a reconciling work May there be a renewing within us that lively hope that it is truly well with our souls. Bless the children in our midst today. We thank Thee for them. As they join in in this communion service, as they witness 
others, even parents taking this cup and bread. Grant, Lord, that thou wilt work in them, even through a a visible view of the cup and bread. May they see the Lord Jesus. May the Holy Spirit open their hearts and minds to know the Savior. And may there be within them a strong desire that one day they too will remember Thee in this fashion. We pray for the ungodly who have no interest in our Christ or in the cross. O God, today will You call them and save their souls. Will You work by Your Spirit a restlessness until they find true rest in Thee? We ask that You'll remember our nation O Lord, may the preaching of the gospel be with great power and blessing in these days. Bless every means to get the gospel out. Bless every living witness, every testimony of your people. And now, Lord, come and minister to us. We wait on thee. We are waiting and expecting. Oh, revive the hearts of all. We pray this earnestly in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Hymn number 614, A Debtor to Mercy Alone, Of Covenant Mercy I Sing, Nor Fear With Thy Righteousness On, My Person and Offering to Bring. 614. Our Bible reading is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, 22. 
We're going to read together the first 20 verses. Let us hear the Lord's Word as we open our Bibles and turn to this passage, Luke 22, verse 1. Now the Feast of the Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading of His Word to your heart this morning. Glad for Beulah and I are glad to be back this morning and to help out at this time. I'm going to call upon Mr. Robinson to come and to bring you the announcements this morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. You survived the, the deep freeze, and uh, uh, the traveling was pretty good this morning, so we're happy to see you in person, and also welcome to those that are joining online. We don't want to forget about you folks either, so I look straight at the camera, and um, I thank you for joining with us. As you can see, our pastor is not with us this morning. Uh, he's in Vancouver uh, for a, a special meeting there. Uh, they're seeking to 
call the pastor, and so there's an election taking place today. So be in prayer about that, that the Lord's will may be done. It's almost two years since uh, <clears throat> our Reverend Gallagher has retired from that pastorate there, and so he's with us this morning to fill in, and we, he's no stranger to many of us. And if you're a visitor here, you'll understand that um, our pastor will be returning again for our prayer meeting on Wednesday. So before <clears throat> I get into the announcements, for me, the communion service, as you can see, the elements are laid out, and so we're going to return back to the conventional uh, bread and wine, or the, the fruit of the vine before us. And um, so if those of you, I know that nobody has requested for me this morning, we still have a few of the, of the COVID specials here. And if you wish to uh, have that instead, you need to let us know. Uh, some of us will have a few of them with us uh, when we distribu- distribute the, uh, the elements for, and the communion service. And so, uh, again, um, the announcements are fairly simple, straightforward. The evening service at 6.30, again, preceded by a time of prayer at 10 to 6. And our brother will be back to bring the word to us. And uh, also remember the uh, youth choir, that there is a practice after the evening service, and to keep that in mind. And then also um, the uh, prayer meeting on Wednesday night at the usual time. Our pastor should be back to give a report um, from his journeys. Um, I think that um, the announcements are rather short here. I think that's it. So, again, you can request these as we distribute the elements if you need so. Okay. And there's a magazine, too, a current. I, that's another cue there. So that's available. It was available last Sunday, so please pick up a copy of the latest edition of the current magazine. Um, Pastor Gallagher used to be the former editor, so that would be very much in his mind, so I better be in his good books on that one. So, um, and he will officiate also at the communion service uh, after this uh, service. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother, and always glad when someone on the know is able to bring the announcements for the day. And again, it's a joy to come and to fellowship and minister to you today, especially on this occasion of the communion service, which I look upon as the highlight of our Christian worship at any service of the week or year. And I trust that this will be a very hallowed and a special time in your own heart. We do so with joy and gladness, but yet with the sense that this is where we meet our Savior at the very closest point of heart, mind, soul, faith, repentance. Union leads to communion. This is the hub of what we are as Christians. If we miss this, If we lose out on this, we lose out on one of the great essentials, or what might be the absolute essential. And so I trust that the Lord will come Himself and minister as we do remember our Lord Jesus today. We have another hymn uh, to help us to do so, and it is the hymn 131. 
Blessed be the fountain of blood to a world of sinners revealed. Blessed be the dear Son of God. By his stripes alone we are healed. One, three, one. Just stand in for a moment. Father, we pray that Thou wilt solemnize our hearts and draw near to us. We pray for that personal ministry of God the Holy Spirit, whom You have sent, Father, into the hearts of every one of Your redeemed, whom the Son hath sent into our hearts. And we by faith receive today this ministry of the Spirit through the means of 
reading and preaching the word of the gospel, and also as we look upon these visible symbols of the cup and bread, oh, grant that we may not miss Calvary and the cross work of our Lord Jesus, but that we will be drawn afresh to consider and to delight ourselves in the amazing work of our Savior. So speak, Lord, and bless us now in thy word. We take thy help, we receive thy spirit, we pray for thy speaking voice in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Let's go back in our Bibles to Luke 22 and the verse 19. The Lord Jesus said, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Stop at the cross. Christian, Never get beyond the cross. Never think that you're too mature, too academic, too smart, too strong, or too proud to go beyond the cross. The Lord has given us just two symbols by which we remember his death visibly. They are, of course, the bread and the cup. These have not been designed by the church, nor were they originated with by the apostles. They were given to us directly by our Lord Jesus himself. And it is purely and solely out of his own heart's desire that he gives us these symbols and he says, remember me. In verse 15, you see the depth of emotion in our Lord's heart as he does so. It says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, this, of course, would be the last Passover where the Jewish manner of remembering would take place. This now was the institution for the Christian church. This was just hours before our Lord Himself would go to the cross. We see the amazing devotion to his task. With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Lord was very aware of what the next hours and how they would unfold. We are to remember our Lord in all the issues and all the trials of Christian living. 
When our faith is weak and our love is low, the Lord says to us, remember me. Weakness of faith and a weariness of heart is not an excuse to bypass this command, remember me. When we are troubled by the condemning voice of sin, and our hearts would disapprove, it's not an excuse to cease remembering our Lord in this appointed way. When we feel the tempter's power ever so strong, we need to remember the Lord all the more. When we feel the reproach of a persecuting world and its hatred against the name of Christ and our desire to bear His image, then the Lord would say to you, Remember me. When you find it hard to pray and the words don't come and the desires of heart are cold, then the Lord would say to you, remember me. When we need to evangelize and we don't feel the power to go and speak for the Savior, when we confess that we don't have the boldness to be a witness for the Lord, then the Lord would say, remember me. And let the fire of faith burn in your soul of what Christ has done for you. And then, in that strength, go evangelize. When even at the end of life and we feel the dark cloud of death hanging over our bodies, when we're going down through the valley of the shadow of death, when all else is closing out and shutting in, the Lord says to us even then, remember me. There's not a time, there's not a struggle in the Christian life when we're not to remember our Lord in His death. Christianity is Christ and His cross. You get that. And you will live as you ought to live in the power of the gospel. For gospel-minded believers, the true remembering of the Lord Jesus is to rehearse His atoning death upon the cross at Calvary. Of all the religions of the world, Christianity is a personal faith in one person and in His work to the exclusion of all others. And here we are in 2023, 2,000 years after the death of our Lord on that cruel tree, and we are here to remember, as the Lord has bidden us, but how can we do this? What would the Lord say to us right now? What would He say to your heart with all that you're going through and all the pressures that you feel in your daily walk? How would the Lord say to you, 
remember me. Let me give you just a few pointers. The Lord says, remember the greatness of my sacrifice. And that comes up here because it's based upon the history of the Passover. You remember that night when the angel of death would visit Egypt and the command was given to the believing Israelites that they were to take a lamb and put the blood of a lamb upon the doorpost that the angel of death may not visit? Think about it. There were about two million Israelites in Egypt, men, women, and children. That would mean at least 200,000 homes if there were 10 people in each home. How many lambs were required? 200,000 lambs in one night, slain, that their blood would be posted, that the angel of death may be kept at bay. And so when Jesus took upon him to be the ultimate final paschal lamb, to suffer in the place of his people, it had to be a great sacrifice of almighty worth. And so in the one person of our Lord Jesus is all the fullness of God and all the fullness of deity. And yet, his blood was poured out for us. We focus here today on a single death of a single person. One person's blood who paid it all and paid it finally. And this is the battle for orthodoxy. This is at the heart of our Christianity. Jesus died for me. And every Christian can say that of every generation and of all the multitudes that shall be in glory. Jesus died for me. And so the worth of his sacrifice was absolutely infinite. And so it is essential that as we today remember the Lord Jesus, that we don't lose sight of the greatness of his sacrifice, the value, the worth that is in our Savior's death upon that cross. So when you take that cup and bread and you look upon those symbols, look beyond them to the blood of the Son of God that was poured out to wash away your sin and to bring you, to reconcile you to God. Now, do you have that faith in the greatness of the sacrifice? Is that what you believe? Is that what assures your heart? Do you really lay hold upon that truth? Is it something that is more than just a, a, an outward external thing? But deep in your heart, it speaks to you. Uh, the book of Hebrews talks about Jesus' blood being speaking blood. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. 
It speaks pardon and peace. It speaks that it is well with your soul. It speaks that God is pleased and satisfied. The greatness of the sacrifice gives you that wonderful assurance. The next thing the Lord says, remember the purpose and the people of my sacrifice. Now this Verse 20 was spoken to the disciples as he met around that table. But that institution was expanded, especially by Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, and he was in the Corinthian church to the Corinthian Christians, and he reminded them of how the Lord Jesus, on the night that he instituted this supper, he gave these symbols, not just for the disciples, but for all of his believing people. And in Matthew 26, 28, same incident, same event, it is recorded that Jesus said that his blood was shed for many, for the remission of sins. I think you should look that up. I think you should know this verse. Matthew 26, 28. I had intended just to quickly quote it, but I think it's crucial I think you need to lay hold upon the people and the purpose of the Savior's statement here. Matthew 26 and 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Now, don't ask me how many. Multitudes, an innumerable number, a vast array of peoples of all nations and tongues, and so on, shed for many for the remission of sins. And the word remission means to set at liberty, to liberate you from your sins. And that is recorded also in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And that's the same term, the same truth that Jesus came, that by his death, by his blood that he shed on the cross, he would liberate, he would set souls free from all the curse and all the condemnation and all the wrath of God upon sin, that his people would be liberated, just like the children of Israel out of Egypt. On that Passover night, they were brought out of the slavery of Egypt, and eventually brought across the Red Sea. They were a liberated people. And so on the other side of the sea, they sang the song of Moses. And we are that people that are liberated. We are no longer groveling, making bricks, and by hard labor trying to work our way into God's acceptance. Our sins have been dealt with. They're gone. 
As far as the east is from the west, the Lord remembers them no more. They will never meet up. You'll never see those sins again when you plead the power of Jesus' blood to cover them over. And so to eat and to drink worthily, and that's what the apostle exhorted, that we, we must eat and drink worthily. To do so, we must enjoy the liberating power of the gospel in our souls. There must be a, a readiness to say, I have been set free from the guilt of sin, from the curse of it, the shame of it, and the judgment of it on that great day. I'm free, free. Hallelujah, I'm free. And so as you take that cup and bread, you don't do so as a slave, but as a son. You do so as free. This is a, a living, voluntary, personal expression. This is my faith and my delight in what my Savior has done for me. Number three, we come now to the Lord says, remember the perpetuity of my sacrifice. It's not the thing of a day. Now, we know there was a day when our Lord died on the cross. It was A.D. 33. It was Passover, and there was a particular hour when our Lord expired upon that cross, when He cried out, it is finished. But you know, and we sing it in our hymn book, the blood shall never lose its power. I remember in my early ministry in Vancouver area, a young man asking me the question, how is it possible that what our Lord Jesus did at Calvary all those years ago remains powerful today? Now, the answer to that, of course, is that our Lord Jesus offered up Himself in the power of an endless life. He's living, and He's representing us at the throne of God. And by that blood that He poured out on the cross, it's not lost. It's not in the thirsty sands of Jerusalem. That blood is in heaven and in the very veins of the Son of God in a real human body. Jesus, by His own blood, intercedes for every one of His redeemed. Now, it's very interesting to look into that word, the power of an endless life. It's one of those Greek terms with a negative A at the beginning. And you have the word that it really means dissolved, but it's the negative A prefix. It cannot dissolve. It cannot end. What a wonderful gospel. What a wonderful reality. And we can meet all the days of our lives. How many communions have you had now? Maybe you've counted them. In the Free Presbyterian Church, you would have 12 per year if you've been present at each one? How many years are you a Christian? And you come again 
You come hungry, you come thirsty, you come yearning that you might receive a blessing afresh. Let me tell you, the blood has not lost its power. Our Lord Jesus effectually intercedes. And as you take that cup and that bread and you say, Lord, I believe, I rest, I rejoice in your atoning work for me, there can be by the Spirit a wonderful reconfirmation of that work in your soul. But I want to give you a word of counsel. Don't stop at the sign. These symbols we're using, the cup and bread, are but signs. They are visible signs. They are helps to us, to our weak faith. But just as if you were driving along a highway and you're feeling, boy, I'm getting hungry, and you saw maybe on a field a billboard, restaurant, well, what would your favorite restaurant be? If you're coming to Derbury someday, you might see Chick-fil-A five kilometers ahead. What would you do? Would you slam on the brakes and go into the field and stop at the sign? That wouldn't work. You use the sign following its guidance to the restaurant. And that's where you're satisfied. Your hunger is relieved. These signs are symbols pointing us to Calvary, to the cross work of our Lord, to his wounds, body and blood. It was a real body. It was a human body. That's the bread. He's the bread of life, bruised, broken, wounded for us. And it points us to his wounded side. The cup points us to the life that was poured out. The life of the one who was eternal life. And yet he offered up his life in our place. That that life may become ours. And that satisfies our souls, and that thrills our hearts. And the Lord says, don't stop at the sign, believe on me. Look unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The next thing the Lord asks as we remember him is to remember the acceptance of his sacrifice. Now, acceptance with God is huge, and it's huge for the believer, for you. You want to know with absolute certainty that you will never be cast away, and that you do not do this today to bring some kind of judgment upon your head, that this is acceptable to God. Just as Cain and Abel, one worshipped acceptably, the other was rejected one by the fruit of the ground and the other by the blood of the Lamb that was accepted. Now, the grounds upon which we are guaranteed acceptance is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. 
And when God raised up his son, there was one bold statement. It's enough. Jesus did enough. His sufferings were completed. The payment of sin was out in full. The whole account is settled. And just as our Lord cried from the cross, it is finished. What a wonderful heartbeat it gives you as you take the cup and bread and you repeat and you rejoice in the truth. It's finished. It's finished. I'm not here repeating or adding or improving on or trying to in any way make this better or supplement what our Lord did on the cross. It's finished. This is just to help me to see it and to grasp the totality and the power of the cross work of the Lord Jesus so that the Father hath accepted him. Turn with me to Ephesians 1 and verse 6. This matter of acceptance is so important to us, and it is really based upon the acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice. And it says here, Ephesians 1, 6, which is addressed, of course, to uh, believers, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted. Now, let that sink into your heart today. It's not just that on the cross our Lord made the Father to be at peace and made Himself to be accepted, but that through that work He did on that cross in A.D. 33, that we who come to Him by faith and are united to Him by faith, we are made accepted. Look how it's, it's stated here. Wherein he hath made us accepted. There was a time when we were not accepted. We were sinners. We were guilty. We were condemned. We were strangers to God and to grace. But now, by this union, this faith, this trusting in the finished work of our Lord, that God hath raised up His Son, accepting the offering. Now, our Lord Jesus makes you and me to be accepted. And when you take that cup and bread into your hands, you can sing, Accepted am I. Accepted am I. Don't let some superstitious, mystical fear drive you away from taking that cup and bread. Take it with confidence. Take it with assurance. Take it with delight. This is the Lord saying to me, I can do this. I may come in this way. And I am assured that I am accepted in the Beloved. We sing that hymn, 618, In the Beloved accepted am I, risen, ascended, seated on high, saved from all sin through His infinite grace, 
with the redeemed ones accorded a place in the beloved. God's marvelous grace calls me to dwell in this wonderful place. God sees my Savior, and then he sees me in the beloved. Accepted am I. Is that the peace, the assurance, with which you will take that cup and bread today? Do you have that? It's offered to you. It's rightfully yours by faith through the Son of God. No one's trying to hold you back. No one's trying to say to you, you should not do this. When the Lord invites, remember me. Come. Come and do so by faith, with acceptance and assurance. Lastly today, the Lord says, remember my love for you in my sacrifice. I hope you noted that every one of those pointers are based on the sacrifice, every one of them. It's all to do with Jesus' death on the cross. It's all to do with His blood atonement. It's all to do with that covenant agreement between the Father and the Son that Jesus would stand in in the place of His people, and God would deal with His Son all the righteous judgment for sin, and every one of His people would be redeemed. Now, it was an arrangement of amazing love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the proof of his love, the argument in those verses, is the sacrifice our Lord Jesus offered. How do I know that Jesus loves me? Well, of course, we know the little chorus, the little hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But the Bible is all about the cross work of His Son. When you lose sight of the love of God in your soul, remember the Lord Jesus in your death, in His death. Look even beyond these two symbols and see the vast ocean of love for your soul. It's wonderful, it's precious, and it's for you and me. And we show our love in return when we take this cup and bread. This is our show of appreciation 
In Corinthians, we're told, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show, declare, or even preach. You tell others the Lord's death till He come. And so this communion table, these symbols, are a demonstration of the Lord's love for you. But as you participate and as you take this bread and cup, you show forth your love for Him. That's why it is so crucial that we participate. And you're preaching a sermon today. You're preaching your faith today. You're declaring what's in your heart and what is between you and the Son of God. You do this publicly. There are no private communion services. And you do so happily with joy in your soul. And you do so expectantly that you will receive a blessing. This is a means of grace. This is the way working of the Spirit of God so that He come and ministers and works grace, gospel power in your soul as you partake and as you demonstrate your faith and your love to the Savior. And it's a happy faith. It's a blessed faith. It's a personal faith. And I trust that everyone will enter in and demonstrate personally your delight, your devotion, your love to the one who has redeemed you by his blood upon that cross. We're going to sing a hymn together as we move to the table, 135, 135. When I survey the wondrous cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. One, three, five. Well, yes, let's stand to sing. Let's stand. Mm-hmm.